episode is sponsored by The Boardman Review, Cold Shower Media, and West Bay Handmade. This is a curated artisan boutique in downtown Traverse City. They have great gifts and all made by people locally here in Northern Michigan. It's simply lovely if you haven't been there yet. All handmade. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thauvet, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! All right, so welcome to this episode of the Improverbial, and uh, we have a fun proverb that should provide fertile ground for some conversation. And it is this, who chases two rabbits catches neither. The person who chases two rabbits catches neither. Basically the meaning of the, yeah, there's an, I'll give you an English example that, that, uh, I think this came, came from the Italian in, at least that's the first one that I found. It was, chi troppo vuole, oh no, chi troppo vuole nulla stringe, I think is how you say it in my great Italian, which means he who wants everything will end up with nothing. Um, in England, they sometimes say a donkey will starve choosing between bales of hay. So different animals here, Seems not to be the an rabbits. animal thing. Yeah. Not just rabbits. I, it was interesting. You found different examples of that. Cause I saw like, what's the origin? It said Russian in one place. Another place says Absolutely. It's Confucius. It's, and, and then also it sounds like Thailand also has a Is that right? This. I did not. Did you find something? Well, yeah, it showed Thai as um, having this, he who catches two rabbits catches none. It's in Thai, it means somebody who's a player, meaning they date a lot. Oh, you're did, going you, after did you get two the actual, like what they, No, what, the well, words? and of course, and for our listeners who don't know, oh, Pete is Thai. He, he was born well, in Thai. Yeah. I was born he, in Thailand. He was by, born in Thailand to an yes. international family. So. I do speak. Some speak reasonable Thai, but that's a whole other story. I found it on a wiki page talking about Japanese sayings. I found it attributed to Confucius and attributed to Romanian folklore, which probably means it's probably not Confucius. Romanian folklore, probably not. Yes. So there was no definitive real um, one culture person. But it's, you can see where this comes from, right? It's like, um, choose a goal and stay focused. Don't get distracted because um, you'll, you know, you'll end up with nothing. Um, rabbits do use this. I, you know, if, if you've ever seen your dog try to chase rabbits, they'll split up. Fish do it too. That's what schools are all about. You know, there's safety numbers causing distractions. And also one cool thing about the way fish school is that it makes them look bigger. So like maybe in t- somewhat potentially intimidating to, uh, they stick together. Right. They stay together. They look like a bigger mass than a big fish might want to encounter. Well, I don't know if that would really intimidate. If I'm like a shark or a, you yeah, know. I'm just going to go right through that. Go right through that, right through that yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen this before. 
You know, um, I'm one other person. This is a side note. Yeah. This is a tribute to it is Leonard Nimoy. I don't know if you Spock. Mr. Spock. And I found that really interesting. Of course, I think he borrowed it possibly from the Russians or the Thai or the Confucius. Or maybe from, um, Vulcan from Vulcan. Exactly. I was like, is this Leonard Nimoy said it or was it Mr. Spock who said right. it? I think it was in his character. He said this. I believe so. I could not find the episode. <sighs> Send that in, please. I, all you listeners, all you Trekkies out there. There was more than one sighting saying Leonard Nimoy had said this at one point. <sighs> yes. Well, I was into, I, I went, I was looking into this technique used by the, by prey animals in uh, getting away from predators. And I found that <clears throat> this is something that's used by Impala. So cheetahs, uh, and Paul is a kind of antelope, um, cheetahs top speed is 80 miles per hour and Paul's can only run 56. All right. But they escape two thirds of the time. The Impala wins the race. Um, and they, the, you know, I was like, how do they do this? And they do it not by outrunning them, but by using this proverb. They, this is, I don't know how you say this in Impala, in Polynesian, <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they must have it because they, what they do is they run relatively slowly in a straight line conserving the energy. And at the last second, they make a sharp turn. So what Impalas have is cornering and what cheetahs mm. have is straight away. And so what they do is they have the, the, the cheetahs have like used their energy by pegging at the Impala super fast. The Impala will like a bunch of them and they'll like run in different directions and turn at the last second. And ultimately most of the time the Impalas get away. And the cheetah can't make that, that turn on a dime like that. Uh-huh. Cheetahs are not cornering. Not nice. Wow. That can come in handy. Um, you know, the, you it's know, a little bit like Raheem Sterling on the English squad, the, uh, uh, soccer. I, I'm sure you were, were watching that game. I, I actually did watch game. the recent football Euro cup. Uh, but please tell me, Oh, you missed it. No, uh, Sterling is so fast and he has got so much cornering. I doubt he would, he would win the sprint, uh, from end to end of the pitch, but, uh, he's, he's just runs around everyone. It's incredible. It's so like he'd do well against a, a cheetah. Yeah. He would, he's more of an Impala yeah. Yeah, than a cheetah. If we'd like yeah. to see that gladiator, uh, Roman Coliseum, him and a cheetah. I don't know. <laughs> oh we'll see if there's an extreme sport not, yeah. club out there who'd be interested. Um, well, you know, when I, when I saw this Leonard Nimoy quote yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was kind of going down there a little, like, when did he say this? How did he say this? It did make me think Leonard Nimoy, did he follow this proverb? He mm. is most famous as Mr. Spock. Absolutely. Now he, so he followed, he was following one rabbit to, in order to catch, and I don't think he did this consciously, right, mm-hmm. but in one sense, like I'm sure he was, he, he was a fine actor. He was in lots of other things, yes, he was. but I can't name one of those other uh-huh, things. Fair enough. And you can't either. Oh yeah. Um, I was, yeah. Cause I just know you don't know. <laughs> he wrote that people. baby book. He wrote that book about how to take care of babies. No, he didn't. It's, no, called, he, it's called Dr. <laughs> Dr. Spock, but it's not him. Just joking. He said, how to take care of your baby's yeah. pointy ears. <laughs> How to take care of your alien baby Yeah, by Dr. Spock. <laughs> yeah. But when you look him up, he was also a singer. He put out a couple of albums. He was a director. He directed Star Trek for the voyage home, mm-hmm. um, but he's not known for that. And, no. and he was actually, some would say the voyage home was the best out of the whole series of really? the wow. Star Trek movie series. Uh, but he, he found fame chasing that one rabbit, which yeah. was Mr. Spock. So I started looking at what other people are famous for one thing, but might have excelled in other areas, okay, yeah. other lives. And, um, you know, Da Vinci is most famous as a painter, of oh, course, yeah. but of that, course he was a polymath. Guy. Um, he made like most polymath. <laughs> he, he made most of his money designing weapons and fortifications. Right, That's right. where he what made What is with the, with the, uh, with war as a driver of economies and 
Oh my goodness. Right. The biggest, the biggest mm-hmm. uh, sources of, uh, mm-hmm. of holding up industries. Um, Alfred Nobel, right. How is he the most famous it's Nobel peace prize peace prize? Uh, now, how did that come about? He actually War. made his money. He invented dynamite. Yeah. Oh, he invented dynamite. dynamite. Oh, now, wow. um, there was some tragedy, not only world tragedy, but personal tragedy. His brother died from a factory that exploded from, um, it was actually the dynamite. Um, and I can't, I can't remember, but he had the chemical. He harnessed this chemical that allowed the explosion yeah. and his brother died. Trinitrotoluene? That's TNT. I don't know if it's, that's what's in dynamite or not. Yeah, that, that might uh-huh. be part of, mm-hmm. um, part of this, the, 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 the combustible mm-hmm. part. His brother died in an explosion in a factory that was building dynamite. And then as he saw, he meant to use dynamite as a way to. Blowing um, up things for peace. <laughs> blowing Peaceful up explosions? for mining, mining, Pete. Like landmines? And- uh, mining out uh, uh, geological types of materials. Got it. And that was the purpose. And then, they, of course, dynamite was used in war, changed war forever. Sure. And he did not want his legacy to be the man who killed hundreds of thousands mm. of millions of people. So mm-hmm. he established the Nobel Peace Prize in order the to The horse left the barn, though, already on that one. What's that? The horse already left the barn on that one. Yeah. Make a thing can blow everything up. Yeah. People are going to blow people gone. up. But he hoped to counter that a little bit. I guess so. Um, well, oh, well I, and I just have one other one. I please, think it's yeah. kind of cool. Like Aerosmith, you'd think, well, that's the a band? great band. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. they, Of course, their music and their music did make them their millions, uh, millions. And their, their, you know, the orchestration and the subtlety of the lyrics. And oh, the, it was really I'm moved. A, I am a big really Aerosmith fan. It. They deserve was, every single dollar. But, you know, they, the, you know how they made their many, many more millions than they already had. Wait, it, let me get, let me. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Aerosmith. Arrows. <laughs> no, blacksmith. They made horseshoes. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> they made arrows in a forge. Yes, they oh, did. And yeah. that's what put them over there. No, their video game guitar hero. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is really what is yeah, their big money maker. Um, yeah. Now, it, I, there's a quote. They made more money with Guitar Hero than from their albums. And, and I think this points to a little bit now going away from our mm-hmm. idiom. Um, this idea that the music industry absolutely changed, uh, like with licensing the digi- you know, digital yeah, yeah. Me- uh, media is now can be taken without getting any money from it. So all of these artists and musicians need to find other ways. Um, and one great one is the Rome, the, the Ramones, they sold more t-shirts yeah, than albums their t-shirts ever. Are just they have iconic more, more people own their t-shirts with the Ramones on Dude, it. Kids nowadays all they were like walking around wearing their Ramones and Clash and Nirvana t-shirts. They don't even know that it's a band. <laughs> yeah. It's just a cool thing. They literally don't even know that it's a band. I could, I could fall in that category. I know they're a band, but I don't, I, I, the Ramones, you mean? I, the well, Ramones. You, I haven't seen you wearing a Ramones t-shirt. I w- but I would fall in that category as in I might own a Ramones t-shirt versus an album. You'd be a Ramoner. A Ramoner. And if you were an owner. An, but, an, an owner. But I mean, you were, you grew up at a time when the Ramones were at their peak, such as it was. I mean, they were never the hugest band. Um, yeah, I know. I did not hang out with the crowd nor have like. You're not, I you not like a punk rock kid. What did, what did you say? Oh, so, so for the, <clears throat> I was thinking about the implications for well-being um, on the, of this proverb. And it depends on your point of view. So if you're, if you're the hunter or the cheetah or the shark, right? The takeaway is just to choose one goal and focus on it, right? Choose that one rabbit and stick with that one rabbit. But I've, I've observed that usually um, 
the goal that you choose is like in some ways less important than just choosing a goal. And when you're a uh, young people are often just like paralyzed with the, with the sort of breadth of opportunities or choices that they have to make. Um, and my experience was just like, choose one. It doesn't even really matter which one it is and just go for it. Um, and humans do derive significant psychological benefits from benefits from just setting and achieving a goal, especially a goal that is, that's challenging. Um, not too challenging because you want it to be achievable, but you want it to be challenging too. <clears throat> so the lesson for the predator here is focus, right? So then I was thinking, okay, well, what's the lesson for the rabbit or the sardine or the impala? Um, and that, and for them, the lesson is that community is your friend, right? For a fish, a school is what might, is going to save you from being eaten. And for, for a person, um, you know, the community is what saves you. It's, they're going to bring you food when you're sick. Um, you know, they're going to, it's, it, it's almost too impossible to overstate the well-being benefits that derive from being a contributing member member of a tight knit community. So, you know, this I think this probably yeah. actually has a lot to teach you. It teach does, us. and like <laughs> like you're pointing out, so then I can go toward my vision and goal that one goal I've set because I'm not having to worry about you know I've got the the, the baker who that's their goal is to make the greatest and freshest uh, bread. I can go buy that because he's specializing in what he's mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. Um, and now I can specialize what I'm doing, and and all that together creates this fabric of society. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hopefully there's just enough people out there that find inspiration in a diverse enough array of things that we have this kind of mesh, this network of, uh, you know, that kind of covers all of our, all of our needs. And while at the same time delivering, you know, well-being side effects to, uh, to all of us. I remember as a young man, um, thinking about my future and feeling this weight of pressure that every choice that I made was so impactful and important and I had to know exactly what to do. And, um, and then somehow I got, I I think it was basically just by default, I was like, I got to do something and just deciding to do something, whatever it happened to be was in, in a lot of ways, really liberating. Uh, it's just an arbitrary choice to take this path, this door, this unmarked door in a blank room, other than that unmarked door in a blank room and just sort of let the chips fall, you yeah. know, and that, uh, who's to say whether I, I, I'm the life that I'm living is the best possible life that could have existed in any alternative universe. But, um, it was, I felt a lot better after I just made a choice and started mm-hmm. moving forward towards it. Well, they say that, you know, whether it's an individual happiness or corporate well-being, it's, um, so individual, like having a purpose and a corporation is having a vision or a good culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And working, working towards that, like lead with vision, um, and lead your life with purpose. And so, yeah. And, and I think, and this is something we work with students on is just this idea of making a decision yeah. and, and that's going to lead you. And there's always, there could be different iterations, but you're going to, you're going to find that, that other, maybe you made a decision this way and you end up going another way, but you only were, could know that other way because you were in motion and yeah. moving towards something. Mm-hmm. And I know we both have adolescence right now. And there's mm-hmm. this kind of this idea of let's just my, my purpose and working, working with, that sounds a little bit too, uh, you know, <laughs> too stoic. Yeah. in my parenting, but you know, helping them to stay in motion, helping them to stay like, let's, you know, what try are we going to do? Today? What does your day look like today? Let's try this. Hey, Let's Paula, do that. turn left, turn right. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and sometimes as a parent, it can be like, you know what, you know, let sleeping dogs lie, which is another, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is another, uh, uh, idiom that we've, we've explored. If it ain't, fix it, don't, if it ain't broke, don't, don't, fix it. Yeah. don't fix it. But yeah, it's just really creating momentum because the momentum is going to bring you to that next thing. 
Yeah. And it's an analogy I've talked about before, but like you can't steer a canoe if you're not moving forward relative to the water, you know? So you have to have that forward momentum and just like choose which branch of the stream you're going to paddle down and start paddling down it. You know, um, it's, you can't stay at that juncture. That's a very exhausting place to be sort of back paddling, trying to not choose a path. Um, it's just way better just to move forward and, um, you just, you know, find your way. There's no, there's no single right answer is sort of what it comes down to when it comes this kind of decision. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as, um, Mr. Spock would mm. say, and he, he said it so beautifully. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Well, he said he who chases two rabbits, um, catch none. And can uh, someone please, uh, f- f- translate that into Vulcan for us? And, and send I, it in? you know, P, you know how I don't like people that always hear my perfect accents, but oh, I'll, can you I'll do give it? it a whirl. Oh yeah. Captain Kirk. As yes, I, Spock. As my mother once said to me, Rombloop, Rombloop plop, floop, floop, stuboop. Oh, the old Rombloop proverb. Yes, Spock. That's one that I've often deployed in, in captaining the Starship Enterprise and it's served us well, hasn't it, over the years? So Kirk, go after those Klingons. <laughs> Little known fact about the Proverbatron. Uh, one of them did exist in the Xi'an era, China. Uh, and th- we know no. this because when they unearthed the, uh, those Xi'an, those yeah. terracotta warriors, the that they found a, an, uh, like a vestigial uh, proverbatron in there. The, kind of cool. Really? I didn't yeah. know they had Pete. And I've been working with the proverbatron now for a few months. For, <laughs> for, for quite some time. Um, in any case, here we have a better one than the Chinese, than the ancient Chinese did. So let's, let's turn to it right now. I'm going to press this button. Criminal. All right. And then, and the first word is, well, let me read it. Let me take it, just it from you. It out at you. He, he, oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. The first word is criminal. 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 Um, well, let's do it again. Yes. So I'll push the button here. Steamboat. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, the second word appears to be steamboat. Steamboat. Steamboat and criminal. So this, for this proverb is one that I've always wondered about. I've never been able to make hide nor tail of it. I just do not understand what it means. But the proverb goes like this. It's either a steamboat or a criminal conspiracy. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to be able to unravel that one today. <laughs> it's either a steamboat or a criminal conspiracy. What did you find out about this one? Well, what surprised me about that is you'd think it'd have to do something with the water. And actually it takes you all the way to the tops of mountains. It has to do with the geography of how mountains are formed. You know what? It's funny. Cause like I, I looked into this a little bit too, and mm-hmm. isn't it have to do with like geysers and under like yep. thermal, exactly thermal the, stuff? the tectonic plates, how the earth crust moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, if, if they pull apart, you're going to get some of that water that's heated from the earth. Uh, interior core and you're going to get geysers coming out. Um, Otherwise, if they overlap, you're going to get the mountains. And when the, like, what does it look like when the geyser comes out? When it like, right. It just looks like a, like a steam, steam like this steam steam coming out of the steamboat. Exactly. So now, so that helps us to understand like that, that part of it, 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 uh, you know, it, it, it apparently, I guess it seems like it's going to be, <clears throat> have to do with like some kind of a steamboat or like Mississippi river, Mark Twain, you know, uh, poker 
boat type of thing, but you're saying that it actually comes from the, from a mountain. The mountains. Yeah. A lot of mountain folklore, um, happening up there. Uh-huh. And as you're, as you're indicating, um, there's geysers, there's geysers, mm-hmm. uh, at the top um, of these mountains. I mean, I've been, I've seen old faithful. Yep. I have not yet seen old faithful, but mm. I want to see it now mm-hmm. because this is where our proverb. Actually, now that you mention it, um, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. That's where they get the name of that town comes from. Because of all it's, the geysers Because there. of the geysers yeah. there, yeah. Well, so this has to do with a really kind of <clears throat> intimate conversation happening in one of these uh, these geyser um, places where people can go. And to go, people usually go there to relax. They usually go there on vacation. Uh-huh. But um, some criminal activity were happening. And so one of the first type of U.S. mafia type of families were from a steam, uh, like a steamboat springs. It wasn't the steam. It wasn't it, one in Colorado. It, it wasn't in Colorado. <clears throat> wasn't it? I thought it was in Nevada. It wasn't a steamboat, steamboat Nevada, Nevada. Steamboat Nevada. You mm-hmm. probably, if you look it up, you probably won't find it on the map. Mm-hmm. But well, it's, in, it's a ghost town now. It's a ghost town. Yeah, because um, of this whole thing. This whole thing that happened. So there was a family called the uh, Cranial Family. That's mm-hmm. their, that was their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the matriarch of this family, Mama Joe Cranial, mm-hmm. Mama Joe Cranial, uh, she said, hey, we've got this beautiful geyser. We got all these springs happening here. Let's bring some folks into town. Right. And then, I, I, you know, so Mama Joe, and then there was Papa Sue mm-hmm. um, that was her, you know, spouse. Mm-hmm. And so, Mama Joe sent Papa Sue back east to start touting. Yeah. All Come of the on benefits. out to Nevada. Come look at our mm-hmm. geyser springs. Yeah. They look like steamboat steam. And if you come here, they were they would say all kinds of outrageous things. It will cure your alcoholism. It it'll will, clear it'll clear your warts. It'll restore your youth. It'll have you breathing out of your nasal passages like never before. And some people have been lo- known to learn how to fly. As a result, like all kinds of outlandish claims. Outlandish, but the Eastern folks, you know. They gobbled that right up. They gobbled it up. Mm -hmm. They thought this is going to be the, uh, the Rosetta Stone. This is going to be the, yeah, the (laughs) tippity top notch cream of the crop. That's right. We're going to go there. Out yep. they did wagoned it out there wagons and, and there was so many people were making, were making, they're beating the, the, beating the yep. trail out there that, that after a while, you know, Mama Joe and Papa Sue and the cranial family mm-hmm. set up their own railroad line that went uh, from, uh, from Reno mm-hmm. all the way to, uh, to Steamboat, Nevada. Yeah, that's and right. A big town that grew was the up junction. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it did. Yep. Yeah. Now Mama Joe and Papa Sue, I really, I mean, the, the, the research on this is a little bit foggy, but I really believe they tried to start this out as a legitimate business, you know, because they, uh, they garnered a lot of benefit from the steamboat. Like Mama Sue. It's not even clear to this day, whether they may or may not have even believed the claims that they were making. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. as we talk about Mama Joe and Papa Sue, they started out as Mama Sue and Papa Joe, and they attributed a lot of this transformation of the two mm-hmm. due to the, the, the magical the workings. And restorative powers of this water is absolutely like, and that's the thing, like they really found themselves and they've, they, yeah. they and really they wanted this to happen to others. True to their, their real um, nature and just, you know, were able to be honest with themselves and others as a result of their experience yeah. in these springs. And I, you know, so like it, it, it is, it's a, it's a checkered history. So it's a complicated story because some people paint uh, Mama Sue and Papa Joe as like the, um, I mean, Papa Sue well, and Mama Joe. Yeah, it's not I, hard to remember you, Papa, Mama Joe and Papa Sue yeah, as when, like charlatans, right? Yeah. Who are like trying to 
fleece these gullible East coasters out of their money for mm-hmm. claims that they could fly and that they would discover their true sexual identity and mm-hmm. that they would learn the fountain of youth and all this stuff. But society wasn't ready. They weren't ready to find their true sexual identity or any type of identity. And so the FBI started hearing these claims, the FBI, um, they sent an FBI agent out there to check on these claims. And um, this is a really important part of this story. Yeah. that was, that was, Jimmy Lee Cricket. Yeah. Jimmy Lee Cricket was sent out there. One of his first assignments um, out, he took, he took that uh, westbound train out there, mm-hmm. made the junction right in from Reno. Reno to, to, to steamboat. Yep. And uh, he, and he never came back. He never That's came back thing. now, but you know who did mm-hmm. come back? Yeah. Patty Elaine Cricket. Yep. Patty Elaine Cricket. So, mm-hmm. That's, you know, and, and Patty Lane mm-hmm. quit the FBI and mm-hmm. moved back, move out to, to like, I think it was like Oregon or Washington and mm-hmm. never reported back. No, to the FBI no. I mean, there's, yeah, she there's, was like, I'm done with that persecuting the, the cranial family. Yeah. She said, I can't be any part of that because how could I based on my new way of viewing the world and well, like being she, my true self? Yeah. For her, it was, uh, you know, for her. So for her, the, the steamboat operated just as, um, as predicted. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And so she and there were no many longer- stories like that, many stories th- like that, that not weren't only about like some people like, you know, Amelia Earhart went there. She mm-hmm. was, she famously um, had a transformative experience there. And then only weeks later, she went on her famous flight across the Pacific, never to be seen again, never to be seen again. And it is um, part of the criminal conspiracy out there that it had something to do with something she saw in the water, some type of vision, mm-hmm. some type of mechanism as well. Uh, that didn't want to be ever be revealed. Yeah. Yeah, But that story, I found conflicting reports about that story. Some people were like, there's this machine in there. And some people were like, no, that's just the visions that you have when you breathe those vapors. Mm -hmm. And some people said when she left, she was like, I can fly. Mm -hmm. I can fly. Yeah. Um, and you know, no, no one really knows if she meant like without the plane or what, but she, she went out there and got on her got on her plane and flew and never seen She again. could obviously fly a plane, but sure, uh, once sure, she absolutely. was up there, did she think she could fly? Did she hop out and did she fly? Did maybe she, she did. Maybe she flew and maybe she's with uh, Miss Cricket um, up in the Northwest somewhere. Well, and you know what, Pete, I think if we continue to talk about this, you and I might have a little bit of risk to our own lives. And I, I think that any people who report on this, this is why mm-hmm. you don't hear it very often. Yeah. Well, that's what weird to, things yeah. happen to them. And they would say, so, so it's, it's a kind yeah. of a saying that's in the FBI where they yeah. say, well, we're not really sure about that thing. It's either steamboat or it's a cur- criminal, criminal conspiracy. We'd like to thank our sponsors of this episode, the Boardman Review, Cold Shower Media, and West Bay Handmade. Yeah.